Just Bob here. Welcome to the exciting return of Just a Podcast. Well, I don't know how exciting. I always say that. <laughs> I, I hope it's exciting, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, quite a few things have happened that I would love to share with you now. So here we go. All right. Now, I've never refrained or hesitated from talking about my mental health here on, on just a podcast. It's something that I don't get into on the air, but here it's just you and me. And, and so uh, I feel like that wall is, if not broken down, then certainly much lower. It's more like a privacy hedge. <laughs> and uh, so I have had... Uh, major depressive episodes my whole adult life. And they have come and gone, and at times they've disappeared for months on end, and sometimes they've stuck around for months on end. And this lately has been the latter. All right, so to go to go back a year and some chains, one of my closest friends passed away about 18 months ago, like a year and a half ago or so. And hit me hard as one does, particularly in this case. This was a young mother who left four kids behind. You know, a very sad story. And when one of your, one of your friends dies, for me it's hard not to go into the mode of thinking of is there, you know, is there something that I could have done? Could I have been there in in some greater way? Is there something I could have done? Is there something I could have said? I don't know. You just, you don't. And so that's, that's a thing that you wrestle with. And it's a universal thing to the degree that every one of us has lost someone in our lives. Um... You know, it is, you know, but, but you tend not to think about that when you're grieving. And so you tie, you sort of kind of get bogged down into it. At least that's kind of what's happened with me. All right. And so, and I was already sinking into a depressive episode when that happened. And like I said, 18 months later, I haven't come out of it yet. <laughs> and, uh, Part of the reason um, has to do with back in December, I uh, I lost my mother. All right, my mother was seventy-seven years old with a uh, history of uh, COPD and uh, respiratory issues. Um, she hadn't been real mobile over the past year. So the news didn't come as a shock, really. But, you know, it's still... Uh, the second of my parents that we've lost uh, after my dad passed away back in 2016. And so there's a, a lot of things that need to be done when, uh, you know, when you lose a family member like that. And so, and, oh, here's the thing, the other thing. Got the news on December 15th, which was the day of the Christmas Spectacular. In fact, I got the phone call from my sister as I was getting ready to leave to come to the station to do the spectacular. And so if, if I, if I appeared to be a little manic that day, uh, that's the reason because I was trying to just be hyper focused on what was happening and, uh, you know, push the personal stuff to the side, deal with it later. There's nothing I could have done at that moment anyway. You know, I mean, management here at the station, they're, they're, they're fantastic. 
um, told me if, if I wanted to take off, uh, I could. But sitting at home just would have been worse. It was good for me to be here at work, having something to do, something to occupy myself, to be a part of something bigger than myself. Um, it was good. It was good for me. It was what I needed at that time, you know. And so due to a variety of factors, my mother's uh, service was uh, after Christmas. So it was over 10 days later. And then due to arrangements with the the cemetery, the internment wasn't until after New Year's. So the whole thing kind of just got stretched out, you know, and it turned into like a month and a half of activity of running down to Virginia where uh, my mom had been living my sister's house and uh, and then going to the uh, the cemetery, which is in uh, Columbia, Maryland, the, the town I grew up in. So it was it was a lot of, of things like that, you know. And you know, of course, throughout this, I'm 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 in a deep depressive hole anyway, and got to a point where, if I didn't have a specific thing to do, I didn't leave the house at all. I went to work, went to the store for supplies and things, but you know, really, other than that, I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't see anybody. I would go home go straight to bed. I would sleep like 16 hours some days because I just, I, my capacity for processing things just shut off. <laughs> like it just wasn't there. And uh, that's early January. And of course it's now a month after that, it's into February and you know, I, I've seen a, a certain amount of improvement, but not not enough to really speak of because it's a long and drawn-out process. And at some point, I kind of figured out that I need to sort of focus on getting myself straight, you know, getting my head straight and all that. And, uh, so that has been kind of what I've been preoccupied with for the last several weeks. And I will say this, and I've said this before, but having the job that I have in the place that I have and, and doing what I've done, um, and do each day is, has been enormously beneficial to me, you know? I'm I'm fortunate enough to to work for people who understand the importance of work-life balance and taking care of the self cuz sometimes that's what you need and I've like a lot of Gen Xers I grew up with the mistaken belief that going and doing your job, no matter how bad off you are, is somehow a sign of work ethic. Um, and it's it's been difficult to sort of break myself out of that, you know, but I, I've learned... You know, if, if if I'm sick, stay home. Get better. And that's in the physical way and, and in the mental way as well. And I did. I took I took a few days, I took some time, eased back into things, and uh now it's a matter of going through the motions in such a way as to get myself back on uh, routine, you know, because I'm a, I'm a creature of habit, and I I thrive when I have it, <laughs> you know. 
Uh, I didn't mean for that to rhyme. It just sort of came out that way. I'm a creature of habit and I thrive when I have it. I'm not going to write a song out of that. But uh, the other thing that has kind of been incredibly valuable to my sanity has been uh, the guitar. You know, when when I when I get home and I'm just decompressing on the couch, I'll pick up the guitar and just start playing just whatever. Just doing scales, just playing random chords, playing songs that I know. Sometimes bl- uh, playing along with uh, whatever's on the TV. I was watching the Grammys last night. And I was playing along to all of the performers. You know, just a silly little thing, but it's fun. And, you know, the the guitar was not my first instrument. I, I started off on the drums. I put a lot of years and a lot of work into that. And they, they say to become truly proficient on a musical instrument, you got to devote 10,000 hours to it. And uh, that, uh, I don't know how true it is. And I'm not really sure. I'm pretty sure that when I started playing drums, it was way over 10,000 hours. I mean, I was obsessed. You know, I would come home from school every day, and I had like a three-hour window between when I got home and when anybody else got home. So I got off school, as I was in high school, I got off, I got out of school at 2.30. And I would go home and I would go down the basement and get on the drum set and, and, and practice and play and jam out and stuff like that. About three hours, you know, my, my sister was in college, but, uh, locally, um, and my my parents were were both at work, and they they both got home around six p.m. So that was three hours of, of practice a day, and then on the weekends I practiced with my band, and uh, so over time you get used to that sort of like regimented routine. Now I got serious about playing guitar relatively late in life. You know, I was pushing 40, and I mean, I already knew, I, I knew a couple of chords, and I could play power chords all day long. I play fifth chords, you know. But getting really in-depth and and learning open chords and, and trying to teach myself theory, learning about major and minor scales, about what notes are in what chords and what chords are in what keys, and trying to take some of those empty hours when I might otherwise be doing something not so good for myself and devoting them to the craft. And there's a few of them, you know, the craft of musicianship, the craft of songwriting, the craft of creating songs, you know, no matter what else I might do with my life, I'm, I'm always going to be a, a musician. And that's, that's a deep down part of who I am. And I was fortunate growing up that my parents generally encouraged me as a musician to the degree that my band took over the house on the weekends and we, we basically drove my parents out of their own house on the weekends for, like, 10 years. We practiced at my parents' house after I moved out. So I really have no complaints about that. But I found that it's good to have something that you can focus your mind on and... I've always had a number of creative outlets, whether it's playing music, writing and recording music, whether it's 
writing articles, written a, quite a few articles that have been published various places, uh, wrote a couple of books. I had one novel published. I had uh, a couple more that I shopped and, and never got a deal with, but uh, the idea is to keep the mind active. I did a webcomic for a while. That was fun. But, you know, for me, it's always music first. That's always the thing that I go back to. And when I'm at my lowest points where it seems like I don't get enjoyment out of anything. And this this I've done. I, I will sit there on the couch and I will open up Netflix and I'll just scroll through looking at the titles for an hour because nothing looks appealing. Nothing looks like anything I want to watch. And the same thing. With every streamer that I carry, you know, I'll do it on on Hulu and Disney Plus and um, Prime Video. And that's how you know. <laughs> in, in the last installment of Just a Podcast, I talked about the uh, the Ice Cube theory. And, and that still holds true. Um, you know, if I'm in shape enough to, to refill the ice cubes, then that's a sign that, that I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm okay enough that I'm going to make it through the day. And when, when I get really restless in my, in my thinking, nothing seems interest to me. I'll go through the like the list, the queue list, and and look at all the things I saved, and just be like, "What was I thinking?" Like none of this is remotely interesting to me. Uh, but anyway, so I, I going through this this difficult time, and. Just uh, looking for any little spark of motivation to sort of get me started, you know, and, and get me going. Because uh, some days, you know, it's tough. And I know I'm not the only one. And it, it, it helps in a way to remind myself of that. But on the other hand... You know, I feel a great deal of empathy for anybody also going through these things. I mean, I know a lot of people are struggling with with mental health these days. And it seems like for me, you know, the wheels started falling off the wagon right around the time that the pandemic started. And I've talked about that before, like the the pandemic period, the lockdown, that, that was like one long panic attack for me. And... In a large degree, it was it was nitty gritty who who was kind of there to keep me steady, and I I did the same for her as as much as I could. You know, now we're we're kind of in in different phases from one another, and so I'm trying to be that person for myself, kind of like to work on my own behalf. And sometimes it feels really hopeless, and you think, why am I even bothering? And then you get a reminder. You know, something happens. uh, You hear from someone. And I'm lucky, you know, because of what I do, I have interactions daily with a lot of people. And a lot of people, you know, it's the smallest thing, you know, uh, someone told me, you know, this is, uh, you know, a, a great set of, of music you got going on today. Or, you know, the joke you said there made me really laugh or whatever, whatever it is. Just some small positive thing uh, really sinks in deep down and 
it's easy to become consumed with negativity. And it's much harder to do the same thing with positivity. It seems like the pull of the neck, the negative is, is a lot stronger. And, and there's this, I'm trying to think of the, the word I'm looking for here, but like this urge to lean into the, the dark, the negative, you know, and sometimes you just want to like wallow in it. <laughs> and that's, that's not good. For me, you know, because once you, you, you start down that slippery slope, it, it's tough to stop. And I feel like you, you get to a point where you've only got so far to fall. And I would rather not know where that point lies. You know, I would rather just kind of stay away from it. And so when you find yourself struggling, you know, looking for a reason to get up every day, obviously it's not going to be the same for, for everybody. But it is a lot easier for me. I have a job that I love doing. And uh, our audience, the, the Bob Nation, I have had the privilege of coming into contact with our good people. And I've gotten to know a lot of really good people. And I understand I can be difficult to know at times and all I can tell you is I don't do it intentionally I really don't it's just kind of the way my personality is wired so I've talked about you know the depression and the depression carries with it a whole boatload of things you know feelings of worthlessness, uh, feeling like everything's pointless, feeling like there's no reason to get up, there's no reason to, to do anything. And it's really, really easy to just turn over and go back to bed when there's nothing that you're looking forward to. And that's a thing that a lot of people struggle with and I feel a lot of times like it's it's like starting from scratch every day. It's like starting from zero every day. Every day, got to figure out a whole new reason to to go and face the world. Every day, you got to find a whole new reason to go out into the world and deal with people. And uh, that can be a challenge. It can be, it can be extraordinarily difficult. And yet there is something in the human condition that motivates us to go and do it anyway. And, Another thing that happens, you know, when you have, you lose people in your life unexpectedly, you are, particularly when it's a family member, you're, you're confronted with mortality. And uh, we as humans, we've built up so much uh, you know, mythology and uh, things like that surrounding death and about speculation about what happens after you die. 
and uh, every religion seems like they have their own notion of an afterlife. And I've said this before, but the whole thought of an afterlife just scares the hell out of me. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you go through a full lifespan and you're at the end of the road. You're exhausted. You're just ready to lay down your burden. And, oh, wait, <laughs> the whole thing starts all over again. It's like a horror movie to me really is but you you're forced to sort of confront whatever notions that you might have about it and you wonder what becomes of the people we love after they're gone and the best case scenario to me nothing right Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and all that. You know, back to the earth from which we came. To me, that's the greatest possibility. And uh, people who do, like, like ghost chasers, you know, uh, Especially the the ones like you see on TV, and they got like the infrared cameras and the uh, super sensitive microphones and all that stuff. And I hope they're all nuts. I really do. I hope every last one of them is delusional nuts. <laughs> because if they're right, it carries a lot of implications that I just really have a great deal of fear about confronting you know maybe some inborn fear of death is just a a basic part of the human condition I think maybe that might be true and uh, this year I'll be I'll be 50 years old in July and I'm hoping that in the next 20 years or so, assuming I make it that far, that I'm able to sort of come to terms with that. Because there's no confirmation. You know, if, if the dead are speaking to people in the real world, they ain't speaking to me. And, or maybe they are and my ears just are not attuned to hear. You know, I do think I have a touch of tinnitus <laughs> from loud amps, so maybe that's the problem. I don't know. But I, I would like to think that when you come to the end of the road that, you know, your journey ends and and that's it. You lay down your burden and that's it. It's over. And the thing is, you know, we make it into such a big deal because it is, it's really the ultimate unknown. You know, I say the ultimate unknown because as opposed to like, like outer space, for example, all right. Now, one thing I did when I was off on my bereavement leave, I watched about three seasons worth of South Park episodes back to back because <laughs> I needed something that that was a little thought provoking and a little funny, and 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 South Park is that, you know, the people who say it's just bunch of foul-mouthed little kids. I mean, they're right, but there's there's a lot more nuance than that. But there's an episode where Eric Cartman goes to SpaceX because he wants to go to Mars, <laughs> which is a pretty funny premise all by itself, in my opinion. But there's some discussion about 
the reason why we as humans are not at a point where we're able to go to Mars and to sustain ourselves there. And uh, I, I, a while back I saw the movie The Martian with Matt Damon. And I'm not going to spoil anything about that, but if, if you haven't seen it, I recommend you check it out because it's pretty cool. But, I, you know, seeing that South Park episode again got me thinking, you know, like I, I've – I've 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 myself have said it in the past that you know it'd be great to go into outer space and just get away from everybody. But it's not getting away from everybody that's the problem. The problem to me is twofold. First of all, being in a spacecraft like you're jammed in there and you can't go anywhere. And that would drive me all kinds of crazy. I tell you that much right now. I mean, I, I, I'm not, like, claustrophobic in general, but I can see myself getting it, <laughs> you know, becoming that way in a big hurry if I'm stuck in a, you know, in a, in a, in a tin can, you know, flung into outer space. And how long? I mean, it could take years to get to Mars with the technology that we have now. Um, you know, there's a, there's an upper limit to how fast a man-made spacecraft can travel. And that's, that's not even factoring in the fact that, you know, how do you store that much fuel? And if... You go to Mars, like, is it a one-way trip? And that's very likely. And because of the nature of humans, I, I can definitely imagine a scenario of somebody going there, like especially somebody privileged, like somebody rich, you know, going there and saying, oh, this will never do. And it's like, well, too bad you're you're there now, <laughs> you know. So I I have no, absolutely no interest in exploring outer space. You know, um, there are people out there who are committed to that, and that's great. I'm glad we have those. And I'm glad that we've left the planet. I'm glad we've gone to the moon. I'm glad we've sent probes out past the borders of the solar system. I think that's really awesome. And I have a lot of interest in space from the perspective of on Earth. Um, be honest with you, I'm not really sure where all this came from. <laughs> I mean, nobody is, you know, phoning me up to book a flight on Virgin Galactic. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but, uh, you know, we, we have a certain understanding of space that has been obtained through the, you know, the, the, the astronauts and cosmonauts and stuff that have traveled out in there. The, uh, the people on the ISS over the years and, and the probes. Uh, you know, thanks to the work that they've all done, we have an idea, like, this is what vacuum is like. This is how cold it is. You know what I mean? All, all that sort of thing. And that's stipulating that the Earth is a globe. Because... The idea that the planet is flat is just so ludicrous that I'm not even going to entertain it. So if that's your deal, <laughs> we're going to just have to agree to disagree on that. So even even outer space is not an, a, 
a complete unknown, you know. But death is. And I, like I said, I want so badly to believe that once we're done, we're done. That's it. It's over with. But uh, obviously, I don't know. And nobody does. I mean, if people have had like near death experiences, but those, uh, you know, I've read papers from neurologists that say like the rising, the bright light and all that stuff. Those are symptoms, you know, that, that come along with, uh, coming out of, like, a deep coma state. But, look, that ain't my field, you know. I'm I'm not a doctor, and uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just some schmuck. Just, a, a, you know, an average guy in, in, in a lot of respects. And uh, like everybody else, just trying to find the best way to get along. And I think you can really do yourself a lot of damage by developing an obsession with death. And, and you know, there's been a lot of people that have done exactly that. And, like, nothing good <laughs> can come out of it. Particularly... Because there's no way to know, you know. I mean, the people that were consumed by getting to the top of Mount Everest, the people that were consumed in getting to the North Pole, or not the North Pole, the South Pole, um, and things like that, these are, these are journeys that can be made. They, they're certainly dangerous and and. and very time consuming, but you can do that. You know, I'm reading a, a lot of comics. Uh, I've always been a, a comic book reader since I was uh, an adolescent. And for a while there, I had a real big collection. I had a couple of those office boxes full of comics. So somewhere in the neighborhood of around. 500, 600 individual issues. I don't have any of them anymore. <laughs> That's a very sensitive subject that I'll, I'll take on some other time. But there was a book that came out not that long ago, relatively recently, a few years ago, and uh, it was called uh, Immortal Hulk. And this was, it was almost like a, like a, it was like a horror series, you know, and, and it was about how when anybody who is powered up from gamma radiation, and that's like the Hulk and the She-Hulk and the Abomination and the Red Hulk and the Leader and all these guys, you know, plus the, the various personalities of the Hulk, because yeah, the Bruce Banner Hulk, he's there. He's like a, he's like a a whole bunch of different guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're immortal because every time they die, they go to this place called uh, like the place below all, right? And there's this this underworld demon kind of guy who's like the ultimate Hulk. And he decides when any of the Gamma guys get there, he decides whether they go back to Earth. So they're able to go into the afterlife and traverse the afterlife and come back. So it's like, you know, the Hulk gets killed and then uh, 
from his perspective, you know, it's just like, and then Banner's back on Earth. And then he turns into the Hulk again, and, like, the whole thing starts over again. And the artwork in this book is super freaky. And it really, it grabbed me in a way that not too many comics have in the last bunch of years. And the only one that came close was uh, in uh, anticipation of the the boys the boys TV show the boys I went and and read that book I read and it was like 70 some issues I read it I read them all practically in one sitting because I got sucked into it that much and uh, the mortal Hulk thing was was similar except that when I started reading it it was still an ongoing title so you get to like a cliffhanger and then it's a month before you can find out what ha- people complain about not being able to binge shows. <laughs> you know, imagine that waiting for waiting a whole month, waiting a week for a show is all about waiting a month. But a lot of it had to do with the whole sort of like exploration of an underworld, and it's very much depicted like hell. You know, it's like this down low place, uh, very, uh, foreboding and, 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 uh, you know, terrifying. And that's how the, the characters react that wound up there. And a lot of really freaky deaky things happen, you know, people dying horribly and, and all that stuff. And I, I will admit to having a morbid fascination with that stuff. You know, I've gone on like CBR.com. It's like comic book lists. And looking for like the most gruesome deaths and injuries. Because these are comic books. You know, it's not real people. It's ink on a page. So, and that's, that's what I say to convince myself <laughs> that it's not so bad, you know, but, uh, the, the effect of, of all this stuff, <coughs> oh, pardon me. The effect of all this is that it has made me intensely curious about, about death and, what happens from a subjective point of view. You know, we know you die, you become a corpse, <laughs> and you're disposed of in whatever way seems appropriate. You're cremated and put in an urn. You're embalmed and put in a box. That box is laid into the ground or whatever, whatever happens, you know. But from a subjective pers- perspective, you know, like what, what do you see? And again, I, I, like I said, I, I hope that it, 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 the answer is that nothing like we as humans cannot fathom the idea of an absence of self. And, I've tried I've spent countless numbers of hours trying to do precisely that and failing, you know. Because uh the notion of self is persistent. And some say that is what separates us from animals. That we are able to look at ourselves in terms of the wider world. But I'll be honest with you, I I sometimes find myself thinking that maybe it's possible that we are just delusional. (laughs) I I really do feel like we as humans have 
grotesquely over inflated our own importance. I'll tell you another one that really messed with my head. There was a show on, uh, oh, was it on History or Discovery? One of those called Life After People. And it was a whole thing about what would happen to the earth if humans were suddenly removed. Like every human being on the planet just disappeared. Because, I mean, I think we all know what would probably happen if every person just dropped dead on the ground. Uh, the local wildlife would be eating good in the neighborhood. <laughs> but what, what would happen if all people just vanished? You know, just poof, just gone. And it was very interesting with, like, an in-depth look at man-made structures and how they would fail and how long it would take for them to fail. Some things are not nearly as durable as we think they are. And a lot of man-made things would crumble. You know, the infrastructure would crumble in months or even just a few short years without us there taking care of them. And that's another thing, you know, like we've we've built a lot. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds stupid, but it, it really is true. You think about it, you know, we don't really think about the kind of absurdity of the human world because we're looking at it from inside. But there's no other animal on earth that does a lot of the things that we do. You know, there are animals that, that build. Obviously, you've got beavers creating dams, birds building nests, and, you know, a lot of other animals that, that sort of create their own living space in the wild, but, you know, I don't see nobody stacking bricks together, <laughs> you know, I don't, no one, no, no, no member of the animal kingdom I'm aware of has mastered the art of siding. <laughs> That's just people. That's only us. And sometimes I think, man, what hubris, <laughs> you know, what incredible arrogance the human race must possess to to have wrought these things on the face of the earth. And the other thing is if you look at the progress of science and technology in the past 200 years as opposed to, you know, the 400,000 years before that, it's like quantum leap after quantum leap after quantum. I mean, we're making huge advances but to what end? That I'm not really sure about. You know, we still die. That's inevitable. There's no getting around that. And I'm not sure that I would want to, honestly. You know, because, like, there's a, a, a web series, um, a print series, uh, it's uh, the, the SCP Foundation, and it's like uh, a series of, uh, they're called uh, anomalies, anomalous artifacts. All right? These are things that are unusual or dangerous or objects with strange powers or people or whatever, and the foundation is what keeps them contained so that they're not a menace to the general public. Now, aside from the thought that there's probably at least one or more organizations like that in the real world, there is, but there's uh, one particular canon in which death is 
dead. So the humans don't die anymore. But they also don't heal anymore. And that's that's such a horrifying thought that I don't really like to go into it too much. But imagine, you know, getting blown up or something and being that way forever. Just the, the thought of 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 existing in such a state just fills me with horror, inescapable horror. And that's where I got to think. So, you know, when I was younger, like a lot of people, you're at a certain age, you feel like you'll live forever. You feel immortal. You feel untouchable. And it's a very exciting notion. You get older and you realize that's not really true. And then, and then you get older than that and you realize you don't necessarily want it to be true. You know, I know... Like I said, I'm I'm going on 50. I'll be 50 here in a few months. And there's days when I wake up and I'm sore all over the place and I didn't even do anything. I mean, it'd be one thing if I'm helping someone move and I'm carrying dresser drawers upstairs or whatever. You know, you exert yourself. Okay, I get that. And it does get harder over time. At days where I spend the whole day on the couch... And the next day, I felt like I did move an apartment or something. You think, man, imagine being that way for hundreds of years. Now imagine being that way for thousands of years. It's just, it's too awful to think of. And you see, like, immortality and movies and stuff and... It's made out to be either some kind of uh, great gift, and it it can be, but that is assuming a lot of extraordinary things. You know what I mean? Like if we're talking like in a world where there are superpowered people, and. Uh, you're like invulnerable, like Superman, or you're you have really incredible regenerative powers like Wolverine or, or Deadpool, you know, then living forever might not be so bad because you're in you're in good shape. But for most of us I'll just say this. I'm not immortal <laughs> and I'm not invulnerable. And so, yeah, being extremely long lived is a very frightening prospect for me. I think, given the fact that the human lifespan has just increased and increased and increased over, you know, over the last couple of hundred years. I think we're living just about as long as we should be, considering that you 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 have an awful lot of people who get towards you know the latter years in their life. They get up into their seventies or eighties, whatever, and uh, you know the process of aging and the effects that it has, it, uh, I would imagine, and I'm just throwing darts at a wall right now, but I would imagine that it's probably, it can be like a, a, a struggle every day, you know? And so the idea that the end of our lives, that exit point is, is a good thing. And it's, sort of like the final culmination of everything that came before. You know, a good book needs a beginning, a middle, and an end. And to me, that's the way, that's the the metaphor that I like best. You know, your life is a grand tale. And 
a great story needs a proper epilogue. Of course, I would I would I would say that a, an outsized portion of people don't get that. You know, people die senselessly every day. People murdered. People dying in accidents. You know, from sudden unexpected natural causes. And uh, there's no way to to know. It's a sobering thought to me that every one of us, you know, me, you, everyone listening, everyone in the whole world, everyone who's alive today is going to wake up one day and that day is going to be their last day on earth. You know what I mean? Like you're there at noon and at midnight you're gone. And there's going to come a time for everyone when that happens. You know, I read somewhere every year you mark or you pass the the anniversary of of the day that you die, you know, because it's got to be 65, 365, or 366 this year, days in a year, on one of those calendar days, that's going to be the last one. And depending on how old you are, you've, you've passed that day many, many, many times. And... I wonder sometimes whether I'm making a bigger thing out of this than than it deserves. But uh, at the same time, I, I kind of feel like the more you sort of explore that, the easier it is to sort of come to terms with it. You know, I'm hoping that I'll be able to sort of conquer the fear of death because I still have it. It's not an overwhelming, constantly present thing, but it is there. Largely because of that unknown, you know, I would much rather, you know, go as painlessly as possible. I think that's true of most of us. You know, I can't see anybody saying, you know, I love to die in a flaming airplane crash, you know. I don't think anybody thinks that. It's in a way it's it's inevitable. And uh in that way it makes me wonder about uh people who have unalived themselves. What happens there? And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a bunch of questions without answers. And I hate questions without answers because I'm an inquisitive to a fault. But in that way, it's just a, a reassurance that I'm only human, just as we all are. So if you are still listening, I applaud and appreciate you, and uh, I look forward to the next time I have a opportunity to sit down and share my thoughts with you. You know, the whole concept behind just a podcast is that there's no set concept. You know, I just start talking and keep going and see where I am by the time an hour is up. And it's always a challenge and it's usually fun. And like I said, if if you're listening, I want you to know how incredibly grateful I am for you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we're here at the same time. And I'll tell you this. This is an unpopular thought. But 
there is no other time and place that I would want to be alive. And that's the truth. So, till next time, this has been Just Bob. And uh, thanks for listening. Have a good one. Be safe.